0: This is the Entrepreneurs United podcast with your hosts, John St. Pierre and Rich Hoffman. What is the biggest goal that you have ever set? What is the moonshot goal that you look out in the future and say, someday I wanna go achieve that. If you think about it, just really reflect for a minute. When was the last time you set a goal so big you didn't even believe that maybe you could even accomplish it? It was that big and that challenging but yet you set yourself out and went and did it. And today, I have my co-host Rich Hoffman with me. And last year, Rich, you set a big goal. You set a big goal, so big, you were nervous to share it. You had a platform here on Australia's United podcast say, I'm gonna say something here, but I'm nervous about saying it because I'm not even sure I can actually do it. But I'm gonna say something, and I know if I say it, I'm gonna have to go out there and prove to myself and to others that I can actually accomplish something. So first off, congratulations. But now let's go back and you know talk to our audience. about what did you actually set for a goal? Why did you set the goal? Why did you share the goal?
1: And how on earth did you accomplish it, John? It was August fourteenth, twenty twenty-two. I know the exact date. That woke up early in the morning to go to Adventureland with our nine-year-old Shelby. My wife and I were going to go over to Adventureland. That night was a not a very restful night's sleep for our nine-year-old. It was almost like it was. The night before Christmas, getting up all excited. We're going to Adventureland. It was the first time she'd ever been to an amusement park. And she got up early by knocking on our door. And we all got ready. We went over there. This was on a Sunday. Got there early. Paid for the good parking. We wanted her to have a great experience. We walked in. She's just in awe looking around and all the things. And we said, what do you want to do? What can I do? I want to go on that. And she pointed to this huge green ride called the monster. Mm-hmm. And we go over to the monster and we were there early. There was still like a 40 minute wait in the line as there often is at amusement parks. And you can imagine for a nine year old, this 40 minute wait, but ours. she was excited She was watching, screaming, people going upside down, and she couldn't take her eyes off of it, and she's jumping up and down and all excited, and we go up, and it's our turn to go get in. I get in first. She wants to be positioned right between Shelby and me. She's to my left. Shelby's sitting to her left, and we're getting ready to go, and the lap belt won't close on me because I'm too big, and the assistant comes over and tries to close it and it wouldn't close and they say sorry you're gonna have to get off the ride so I got off the ride and John it wasn't shame it wasn't humiliation of being kicked off of a ride that kicked me in the gear it was Paige's face Mm. of disappointment that her dad I call her my little buddy and I'm her big buddy her big buddy just got kicked off of a ride and is not going to go on this roller coaster ride with her and she was just devastated. I stood there on the side, I took a picture of the two of them as they were leaving, didn't look very happy cuz I wasn't on it. They came back, took a picture of them coming back. The rest of the day I decided I'm not going to I'm not going to do this again. I'm just going to tell her I'm not going to go on roller coaster rides. So I sat on a bench and When I sat on the bench, I'm sitting next to people who are much older than I am, people who are much larger than I am, even though I'm large at that point. And I thought to myself, this is a time I can practice self-compassion. I'm okay. I'm still good. I don't have to beat myself up. I'm a good person. Uh, And I thought I pulled my phone up and I was about to go through the the regular routine we all go through, like you click on stocks, you click on your email, you click on sports, you go through stuff. And I didn't do it that day. And I thought, I don't want to be literally benched next time I'm in this position. For the rest of my life, I don't want to be sitting here while my family is out having fun. I need to do something different. It was That day, I reached out to a trainer. On the former podcast, when I let you know this and consequently our audience, I think I actually read the message I sent to our trainer. It was a cold message to her. I had looked her up. She lives in the city I live in. She had done three Ironmen herself and trained triathletes. And I just thought, John, at that time, what's the biggest, most intimidating thing I can possibly think of that I want to be disciplined for? And I need to get educated about, because just trying to live a balanced life wasn't working for me. I needed to really switch gears. So I reached out to her. I said, Hey, here's what I weigh. I've gained and lost 80 to hundred pounds twice now. Will you train me to do a triathlon sprint next year? And sure enough, she said yes. And three days later, I started training with her and I started eating differently is how things got started. And I was not as nervous about sharing with people because I didn't know if I could do it. I was nervous about sharing with people because I have a history of really externalizing my value. And I didn't want to share with people because I wanted to do it for myself, not because I had outside pressure. I wanted to do it because I valued me, not because someone else would be happy or impressed or motivated or Uh, inspired. I really kept it to myself for several months and only my family knew. I didn't share with even you and my best friends because I I really wanted to focus on this was for me. This is not about anybody else holding me accountable. This is for me this time.
0: Yeah. What's interesting about that, Rich, uh, and and I just want to challenge this just for a second, you say it was just for you. However, It was that look of disappointment. It was the feeling you had of letting your daughter down a little in a way, too, that also had you reflect. And so in a way, I I have to believe that you did it so you never had that moment again, not just for yourself, but for your family as well.
1: I wasn't going to put my family in the position where it's this start stop. Oh, dad's going to be involved. Oh, no, he's not involved. I was just going to opt out. I wasn't going to do that to him again. You're right. So at that point, my options were, okay, am I going to opt out? And am I going to be sitting on this bench? Not just proverbially, but literally, mm-hmm. am I going to be benched? And if I'm benched here, what other things in my kids' lives am I going to be benched on? And am I okay being benched? Or do I want to get in the game? And if I want to get in the game, I clearly can't be this big and do that. So I need mm-hmm. to make a change.
0: Yeah. So, so when you think about getting in the game as it moves forward, How did this experience, so if I had to recap it, it's like you're moving on in everyday life. You have this intervention, let's just call it, right? Intervention of life, sending you a message. Yeah. You see the message, you say, screw this. I'm going to go find something that is the biggest, most intimidating challenge I could find. It wasn't, I'm going to go lose weight. It wasn't, I'm going to get in better shape so it doesn't happen again. I'm going to find the biggest, most intimidating challenge Yeah, You go accomplish that challenge. And now you're here, man. I got a lot of questions on that. As I read that out loud, why the biggest and most intimidating challenge. And then now what now you've done it
1: now? What? Yeah. i again, is I'm an all in or an all out kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So either I'm a hundred percent in and I'm committed and literally just all in and I'm going to be, borderline obsessed with something, or I'm just going to not be involved with something. I want to be committed to what I do. And that's how I live life. And in order to be committed to it, I needed something to commit to. And it just, in my experience, hasn't been enough to commit to living a balanced life of eating and walking or moderate exercise, like I've tried to live a balanced life for a long time. And I think it's part of what's got me to yo is because when I go from super disciplined to then trying to be balanced, my health goes down, and my weight goes up. And I had lived a life so long, building a life of comfort around me. When it came to everything, when it comes to how I have my desk set up here, when it comes to the microphone I'm using for this podcast, when it comes to the temperature of the shower, when I like everything was about comfort. And what I came to realize is a life of comfort is not a life of joy for me. So I was trying to create this comfortable life, but it wasn't a happy one where I was involved and invigorated and challenged and inspired and all those positive words that we thrive on. I wasn't those things just sitting and being comfortable. So I had to set something that was big that I knew I wasn't enough for that day, but I was going to do enough day by day. So I could be enough when the event came. Okay.
0: And I guess that's the, maybe the number one, not number one, excuse me, but it's one of the big pieces. I just jotted down as a big lesson here. If you want to set big goals, one of the things you probably need to do is really know what you're committing to. And you wanted to commit to something big and intimidating and challenging because you knew if you were all if you committed to that, you'd be all in. Yeah, uh, which I love. And I think the other piece is I think a lot of times we talk about work-life balance or just life balance or life comfort in the case you just talked about but what about life abundance? What about joy? What about, what are the things that drive that? It doesn't have to be balance. It has to be, how do you maximize everything that life has to offer you? So I love that piece as well. I'm I'm curious, Rich, when, when you did call, you know, contact that trainer and Hey, will you help me do a triathlon in the next year? Just, Just very quickly, did she suggest the triathlon or did you say, I want to do a triathlon? And if so, where did that come from? Like, why didn't you say I want to run the Boston Marathon or whatever? Like, why was it a triathlon specifically?
1: I said I wanted to do a triathlon, which is why I reached out to somebody who trained triathletes and was one herself. And I have several friends who do triathlons. Jeff Rendell, who's been on the podcast. Dave Levesque, who we're going to have on speaking about situational leadership soon. John Hino is one that really inspired me. All of these guys have done triathlons, Done uh, among all of them, they've probably done over a dozen Ironmen, which is the pinnacle of triathlons. And I knew that was available and out there, and I had never even considered doing it before. But in that moment of thinking of how am I gonna get really committed and all in on becoming more healthy and not being benched, that was the biggest thing I could think of. I have friends, I have familiarity with triathlons maybe i can do that i want to do the shortest one which by the way ultimately i committed to doing a longer one i want to do the shortest yeah. one i reached out and said i want to do a sprint which the sprint is I, the sprint that i did was a quarter mile swim a 12 mile bike and a three mile run back to back yeah. and i had registered for that to happen on july 9th i'll tell you what john It was August 14th, right? Count the months, August to September, October, November. On November 4th, less than three months later, I was so confident that I can complete a sprint that I actually registered for the Chicago Triathlon in the Olympic distance or the international distance. Same thing, depending on which race you're in. And the international distance was a one mile swim a twenty-five mile bike and a six mile run, so I was less than three months in and had developed enough confidence to say, "I think I could. I think I could whip this sprint thing. Whip it as in finish it. Yep. I wasn't going to be yeah, a winner. Yeah, yeah. The yep. winning was finishing and not getting hurt. I think I could whip this thing. I want to go bigger. I want an even bigger, even more intimidating goal. Where my original goal of doing a sprint is a milestone." to get into the Olympic distance. And hmm. I set that on November 4th is when I did the registration for the Chicago try, which ultimately was, it was August 27th. Gotcha.
0: I guess the, the recap on that one is you, based on relationships of people you have that have accomplished triathlons or Ironman, had that as a mentality. Hey, if I'm going to do something big, that's something that intimidates me. I don't think I, I ever thought of actually focusing on to go do, let me go do something like that and i love that because a lot of times it's familiarity right somebody who's done something like you've done and now they're going to think hey i want to do something like rich did that's pretty cool so i I love the way that connects but now what so i'm just curious like a lot of people who pick up pickleball start playing pickleball they try and grow in the sport of pickleball or whatever it may be so now you've accomplished the triathlon that you said you're going to do in 2023 is this a, Hey, I'm going for the Iron Man next. I want to take it to the next. I want to take my game to the next level. I'm going to keep doing these and win the Chicago triathlon one day. Or is it like, Hey, check the box. Did it moving on to the next challenge that excites me or, or whatever it may be. Where, where do you stand now that you've accomplished this
1: big goal you set for 2023? I do want to clarify. I did the sprint and completed that. I also did the Chicago triathlon. However, In the Chicago triathlon that day, there were eight foot waves in Lake Michigan, and they canceled the swim and turned it into a duathlon. So it became a one mile run, not a one mile swim. It became a one mile run, 25 mile bike and six mile run. So I did what is the Chicago triathlon in 2023. There's nobody that's done a longer triathlon in the Chicago Triathlon in 2023 than what I did for what was available. And I'm yeah, proud of I that. It with that being said, I've already registered for the 2024 because I want to get that one mile swim. And I was ready to do it. Yeah. Not an eight foot waves. They wouldn't even let me do it. I don't think I'd yeah. want to. So I'm already registered, John, for the 2024 Chicago Triathlon. And I hope they don't cancel the swim portion of it there so I can complete yeah. that Olympic distance, the whole thing. Assuming there aren't eight foot waves again. So that's on the forefront for me. Over the course of time, I've lost, I think it was about 75 pounds in the course of that year. I am currently maintaining my weight within five pounds and I've gone up three, four pounds and then I'm back down. I've gone down a little bit beyond that and then you know, I'll go on vacation and I'll gain a couple of pounds. So I'm doing a nice job maintaining within five pounds up or down. I'm currently exercising six times a week, exercising, not necessarily triathlon exercising. So sometimes that's doing a four mile an hour or 15 minute mile walk for a half hour, an hour. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you mentioned pickleball. Sometimes that's pickleball on a Saturday. Sometimes that's swimming on a Sunday, but I have committed to do something active six times a week and rest one. And I'm currently following through on that. I continue to track my eating. I've been told you can't out-exercise a bad diet. I have found that to be true, that I need, and I can, the old, I can eat anything I want. I'm not on a a super restrictive diet in terms of there are bad food groups out there. I'm eating a balanced based on macros diet. So it's about 50% protein, 25 carbs, 25 fat. Try to avoid sugar because it's a lot of carbs. and I don't want to absorb my carbs for the day in that way. I try to avoid a whole bunch of carbs because I need to stay at 25% on carbs. So there are no bad food groups. I'll have bad days. I'll get right back to it. And I'm feeling continued discipline to this six days a week and tracking food. I intend to have another event between now and next August. I haven't scheduled it yet but I will. I'll do something probably March, April next year. That'll either be, I don't know, a half marathon, maybe another sprint, try to do it a little faster, try to raise the bar somehow and stay challenged.
0: Okay. Love it. I have one more question. I want to move to the bigger subject of why setting big goals is so important, but I'm just curious. Of the three parts of a triathlon, which one was the most intimidating to you? which one maybe is the hardest or for you is the hardest and how did you
1: overcome it? Mm. Frankly, I found them all challenging. I am not built as a runner. I never have been. I did not know how to athletically swim. I had swimming lessons when I was a kid. I'm not going to drown if I'm in a recreational pool, but I did not know how to recreate or how to athletically swim. So I had to get training from that for my trainer. It took me probably 10 or 12 weeks in a row of a half hour a week in the pool with my trainer to learn the athletic stroke. And there's so much to it, John, that there's so many things to think about in swimming well. So that was challenging in its own right. Trying to breathe on both sides. I'm a right side breather is my preference. Trying to breathe on both sides, I'm still challenged with. And then I got to say, when I was training in the winter, I was using an indoor trainer. So I grabbed my road bike. I had a uh, trainer that was a Garmin Tax, T-A-C-X. It was a great indoor trainer, but I hated it. (laughs) It was so hard. I wanted to quit after the first 10 minutes. So bad. I wanted to quit. My legs hurt. John, not one part of it was easier than another. They were all challenging for their own reasons. Mm. What I enjoyed was the grind. What I enjoyed was getting educated and having to stay disciplined. There was a Jocko quote, I forget what it is, the the exact podcast he was on, but it was something to the effect of the importance of discipline over motivation. Motivation comes and goes, and you don't want to wait to be motivated. You want to be disciplined. So when you're not motivated, discipline is what pulls you through. And I had that ringing through my head when I didn't feel like doing it. I knew that I was going to stay disciplined, even when I wasn't motivated. Because when you first commit to something big, there's this adrenaline rush, right? All these endorphins, like, I'm going to do it. It's exciting. It's new. You tell your family, I'm proud of you. You're making changes. And then eventually, it just becomes a thing. And it becomes like, oh, man, like I don't have that much excitement behind it anymore. Mm -hmm. But I still got to be disciplined to do what I need to do. To accomplish what I want to accomplish, what percentage of
0: the population, maybe that's an unfair question, but I'm just guessing like, what percentage of adult people between the age of 20 and 50 have set big, hairy, audacious goals in your mind?
1: Mm. If
0: you were to survey 100 people today, how many would have a big, hairy,
1: audacious yeah. goal that they're striving for? In the book, Eat That Frog, that was written by Brian Tracy, he says 3% of people have written goals, and those 3% of people accomplish so much more. So part of having a written goal, I assume, is having a registration for an event. That's in writing, and you're paying money for it. So I'd say 3% based on that data point.
0: Yeah, that's 3% who write down their goals, not 3% who set big, massive, moonshot, I'm going for it type of goals. Yeah. So I guess I want to maybe be more specific on that. It's probably less than 3% if 3% have written goals, or maybe not. Maybe people have big goals, but they just don't write it down. But it's a small set of population. If anybody's listening to this, and they don't have in the next year, two years, or three years a big goal they're striving for that scares them, that challenges them, that pushes them. Why should they in your mind?
1: Hmm. I believe that it's our responsibility to unlock our potential. We've been given this life and whether you believe in multiple lives or the afterlife, you have this life that you're aware of, that you can know confidently, that I think it's our responsibility to max out our potential. And without stretching what that potential is, I don't think we ever realize it. I think we can do more than what we believe we can. I needed to prove that to myself again. I needed to prove I'm 48 years old right now. And I'm just young enough to believe I can do anything I want. And I needed to prove that. Like I literally, John, after this experience, I believe I can do anything I want. And I believe I have the formula to do it. If I set a big goal, if I get educated, and if I stay disciplined, those three things. If I set a big goal, I stay, edu- I get educated. Let me say that correctly. If I set a big goal, I get educated, and I stay disciplined, I literally believe I can do anything I want. And I would offer that to you and any of our listeners that you can do anything you want if you do those three things. But there's nothing to get really educated on. If we want what we've always got, what are you getting educated on? There's nothing to get educated on. What is there to be disciplined on? Like we've got to want and aspire for things that we aren't today or we can't achieve today. Then we need to get educated on how to do that. And then it's about discipline. And I talked about discipline earlier. It's discipline, not motivation. It's about the discipline to use the education to achieve that new goal. Yeah, I love that, Rich. When you talk about comfort
0: is not joy. Comfort's not happiness. Comfort's comfort. And sometimes we get way too complacent. And I I would say the people who don't set big goals are either they don't believe they can achieve big goals, which is the opposite of you believing you can achieve anything now because you've achieved the big goal. And or they're comfortable and they're complacent. And what they are being offered with this life experience, right? And so to set that big goal, number one, to get educated and three, be disciplined to go achieve it, then gives you this sense of accomplishment of, you know what? I can do this again. What other big goals or big moonshots can I go achieve? For crying out loud, Elon Musk is like, we're going to go live on Mars someday. I'm going to go get some Mars. I got some moonshot, right? It's, boom. Oh, we're going to go do this. Everybody's laughing at them. The next thing you know, these SpaceX things are start going up and you're like, holy cow, this is for real. But you can't convince Elon Musk that he can't do something. That's very powerful, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be as simple as what are some big things in your life you want to achieve? And I think a lot of times, Rich, though, people look at it and they say, you know what, Ah, you took the triathlon, right? And you were able to get these steps in place, get educated, get the steps and get it done. But if you had said, I'm going to win the Ironman next year, I'm so excited. Then you start training. Then you realize, oh, I have no chance of winning the Ironman. You'd quit. So you set a big goal, but you also set a realistic goal. Talk to me about that a little bit. because I think it's the quote by Bill Gates. I think he's the one who said it, but like people overestimate what they can achieve in a year, underestimate what they can do in 10, but you also set a smart goal as we would like to call it, right? Shared, you shared it. It was measurable. You had a time frame. you wanted to do it. Right, it was actionable. You could do something about it. It was realistic. Like you didn't say, "I'm going to go win the Ironman." You said, "I'm going to go run a triathlon," and it was time phase. So, I appreciate the fact that you did that, and I just it just dawned on me that was you, that's what you did. But the set big, get educated, stay disciplined also applied to the big goal that I set. I, that's exactly what it was, and that same
1: methodology. And you know, you had mentioned winning an Ironman. And you had mentioned setting that goal. And I think you were alluding to, you can set that goal and like, that's not very realistic. You're not going to hit that. I got to say, John, I don't believe in setting goals in competition with others. I believe in unlocking your personal best, regardless of what happens with others. So I can come in second place. I can come in last place. And that's okay. If I did my absolute personal best in preparation for it, in that event, given all the circumstances, given everything involved, if I know in my heart I did my absolute best, John, how can you do any better? Whether you win or lose, you literally can't do any better than your absolute best. So I don't believe in competition against each other's. Maybe for elite athletes, maybe that's a thing. I'm not that. I'm someone who I'm on a journey to unlock my personal best, irrelevant of the performance of others. So I would never set that goal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, and, I, and it's very well said. I mean, people have different goals in different areas of their life. But your, your point you're making is very strong, which is unlock your maximum potential yes. in life. And if you do that, you will continue to unlock other things in life, such as joy and happiness and everything else that comes along with it and not have that complacent uh, type of, I'm just happy, I'm comfortable. So I'm just going to keep chugging along.
1: So and I, I want to dig back in on the that formula, set a big goal, get educated, stay disciplined. You, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd love to hear a moment of your story. You had to do that. You set a big goal of writing a book. You'd never written a book before. What did you have to get educated on in writing a book, assuming you did? And then where in your journey did you find you had to stay disciplined? Because motivation might be waning, but you just had to stay disciplined because you had to get it done. Yeah. First
0: off, you and I never spoke about here are the three keys to setting big goals. No. Okay. So today is the first time that I'm hearing... Set big goals, get educated, stay disciplined in that order. And that's yeah. spe- that specific three point plan. And if you asked me prior to this call, give me the three keys to setting big goals or achieving big goals. I don't know if I would have came up with these three exactly, but they certainly resonate with me now mm. as, as I'm reading because that's exactly what I did. I, I set a big goal. I guess the one piece that's not here is I shared that big goal. To me, that was a big moment. Ted Ma, who we've had on this podcast, was a a keynote speaker at our conference in in January in Atlantic City. And he challenged us, by the way.
1: And And I don't know if he did the
0: same thing at your conference as well with Serpro, but like he asked somebody, hey, you got to be bold. You got to step out there. I'm going to hand this mic to somebody who has something bold to to declare. And I was like, all right, give it over. And I declared it. I declared as well in this podcast the week prior, I believe. I declared to people because that was important for me and, and maybe this kind of comes back to rich this whole externalizing your value piece which maybe we should dive into a little bit more because i like to understand what that means and then how mm-hmm. you view it but for me making that commitment not just to myself but to others tied me to the discipline a little bit because it was beyond myself i i just i wanted to achieve it for myself but i also wanted to prove that I could do it. And if I didn't have that tie, could I have at one point lost my discipline and go, Oh, this is too hard. It's just not worth it. You may have had the tie to, I never want to be in this position again with my daughter. And therefore I'm going to stay disciplined here. There there has to be something in my mind that really ties you to that discipline. So maybe that'd be the one piece that I don't see in your three-point plan Mm -hmm. that was important for me. And to answer your question on getting educated, oh my gosh, I can't wait to write my next book because I'm going to shave 90% of the time off what I did. I didn't really know what I was doing at all. So I I read a book. I read two books on writing books. I attended two workshops on writing books with people that I paid some good money to help educate me on what I'm doing. I got educated on how to frame a book, how to publish a book, how to market it. I'm still learning today all the things I need to learn. I'm nowhere near done but there's a lot there that's the same thing for you going for your next triathlon you know now what you need to do for training and you could save a lot of you know energy in doing it this way versus that way so for me that was really key in getting educated and i mentioned this one i don't have to go through it again but the the, the there were days where i was not motivated to write yeah. this book yeah but i had to stay disciplined because i had set this big goal and communicated it so that's my answer but i guess i i wanted to just come back to this how do you feel about the commitment of sharing the goal as a part, could I convince you that there should be a fourth one added
1: here? Or would you say- no, uh, I don't think of- you need to convince me because it was shared. It just wasn't shared with the public on a grand stage. It was shared with my trainer. It was shared with my wife. It was shared with my kids. It was shared with my mom and dad. But what I wasn't gonna do in the early days because I needed it to be centered around me What I wasn't going to do in the early days is go on Facebook and say, I'm on this journey. And this thing around externalizing my value, it was probably 13, 14 years ago, John, that I was in a course called leading from the inside out. And it was a five or six year course. And early on in that course, there was a question around, what do you want out of your life? And my answer was something along the lines of, as a husband, here's what I want. As a parent, here's what I want as a parent. As a son of my parents, here's what I want. And it was like, no, no, that's all what you want related to the expectations of others and how you're serving them. Strip all that away. What do you want? And I didn't have an answer. And it was a stark moment where I was like, you know what, in the absence of others, I don't have any clue what I want. I don't know what I want. I don't know where I want to go. I don't know what I want to do. I'm not even sure that I know what makes me happy. And that started the journey for me. And you would notice if you went back in my Facebook, you would notice I stopped making Facebook posts probably somewhere around 12 years ago or so. Because I made a decision, I'm not saying anybody that does make a bunch of Facebook posts is wrong or bad, but I made a decision that wasn't for me. I no longer wanted to get attention from people to say I was good, I was accepted, I was okay by posting what a meal was or what some vacation was that I went on. I needed it to be enough that I had that experience, that I enjoyed that experience. I needed to get more in touch with who I was and what I wanted. And so my words about with a triathlon, not telling a bunch of people about it is more about just making sure it was centered around the right thing, which was, mm-hmm. this is going to bring me joy. This is what I want. I don't need a bunch of people to say it's good or say I'm worthy or say they're happy for me or say they're excited or follow the journey. I needed it for me and I needed to make sure it was for me first. And then I obviously shared at the same time you shared your goal around the book and said, okay, here's what I'm up to. After I was first centered on, this is for me.
0: Yep. Yep. I love that. And and certainly in the same vein, right? It's like when you set the big goal, it's like the circle part, right? Like you're sharing it with your inner circle of people. Hey, here's what I'm going to go accomplish. And then inevitably yeah. it circles out and people find out what you're accomplishing. But it's also motivational. It, it's inspiring to see someone set a big goal and achieve it. And you've ha- you've had me in this whole conversation thinking, man, maybe I need to run a triathlon. It scares the crap out of me. <laughs> like it really does. I I, don't got like some tips biking. For you. I hate running. I used to swim, but I don't think I can swim the length of my swimming pool, let alone a quarter mile or a mile. So It's, it is intimidating. And I guess my, my question now is step one is set a big goal.
1: And I would agree with you. I would go to step two is share it, but the distance within someone's network that they share it is really based on their preference. Mine was very shallow, if you will. Like I didn't want to share with a lot of people, but it was shared. So I would add that based on this conversation, I would not have done that prior to us recording here set a big goal, share it, get educated, stay disciplined. I would absolutely add that to the formula. Although I love things in three. Mm, I, I, I was, was going to say, we can't stop
0: that. at four. We may have to go to five. Oh, uh, no. Listen, I, I think set and share can be number one. Okay. <laughs> maybe that's we fine. We won't count so. the and as a second
1: one. We'll cheat there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what, what
0: I was going to say though, Rich, is you have to set a big goal. We, maybe you don't have to. Step one is set. A big goal. Set something that intimidates you, that challenges you, that drives you, that excites you, that will make you happy, whatever it may be, right? Set that big goal. But
1: when you, once you've achieved it, then what? Reset. So as an, so yeah, step five is see step one. I think I see where you're going. Done. But no, yep. I
0: wasn't going there, but now you got me. Reset. Because <laughs> No, you got me. That's number five. Do it okay, again. So one, set a big goal. Two, share the goal. Two, three, get educated. Four, stay disciplined. Five, reset a new big goal.
1: Yes. Yes. I
0: love that. I love that because that's that's the piece I was missing, Rich, because you still have your goal in motion a little bit. You you took the, the truncation of the Chicago triathlon and going, oh, that's not fair. I want, want to run this thing. Yeah. And, and okay, now I'm going to keep training and I'm going to go back there next year and get that goal. But what I think happens in life is then you get that goal and you're like, okay, I'm done. And you don't, re- you don't go to step five. You don't reset the next big goal. And therefore you're either all in or all out. I guess you're all out because you just achieved the goal and now we're done. And the importance of resetting that big goal mm. is really important. I think definitely a key to this formula.
1: I want to transition this over also that I think you and I are on the same wavelength here. I get the feeling, but I want to call it out that this formula is not exclusively about health goals or fitness goals. This is a formula that I believe and I've seen work in business is to set a big goal in business, to share it, to get educated, to stay disciplined and then reset a new goal. We see franchise owners in our system all the time setting big goals and then they share it with their staff, with their general manager They've got to get educated on how to do that, on how to break into a new market, on how to expand a market, on how to hire a couple more people who can do those things. They've got to stay disciplined even when they're not motivated. And then once they achieve that, you're right. They've got to reset. They've got to go back and see step one and set a new one. Mm, Rich,
0: this is awesome. This five-point formula Is huge. It it is the essence. I didn't realize in this conversation, we were going to break down the steps to how do you do this, but we did. And to me, yeah, sure. There's details within this, within each specific thing you're going to set a goal for. But I I really think that's the recipe. And if people want to look into 24 or 25 or 26 the next three years and go, hey, what am I going to do? You could look at areas of business. You could look at areas of spirituality. You could look at family. You could look at relationships. You could look at a whole bunch of different things, set those goals, share them, get educated, stay disciplined, and then reset the next one. I think that is a formula for really unlocking your true full
1: potential. I wonder if there's a book in this that you and I could co author, I'm not ready to set that big goal. But I'm just saying, I wonder if there's a book in this and that five point formula, that we could go a little deeper in the how to tell a few stories more than just the two that we've shared on the podcast. And there's something we can do to share with the world at a more grand scale, how they can get more out of life and meet their potential.